This week on the Story Network Book Club, Isaiah Mason and I discuss Nine Fox Gambit, written by Yoon Ha Lee and published in 2016. Oh, it'll it'll take me like 10 minutes to get over there, so that part I'm not too concerned okay, about. Okay, cool. Yeah. How so, are we going? Oh, we're going. Yeah, we're oh. going. Um, <laughs> yeah. Plug in my Second phone. time around, what did you think of the book? Take two. Um, still good. Still <laughs> actually hated it. Th- no, um, <laughs> no, I I still really enjoyed it. I, I I know I said it before, but like I I just feel like I haven't enjoyed a book uh, a book quite as much as Nine Fox Gambit uh, in a long time. You know, since I was reading like a bunch of books back in like middle school. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. I just felt like I haven't really connected as well, um, or enjoyed a book quite as much until I read or well listened to this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has something special about it that's just like it sucks you in, mm-hmm. and it just throws you through three whole books. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, which we're gonna have to finish the series soon for your sake. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> I, it's like it's literally like four weeks until I leave. Ooh. So, we actually might have to finish it up after I get back. In that case, because oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have listened to half of you the second book in one day after uh, <laughs> after the, I lost the audio. Yeah. So yeah. Um. In full disclosure, uh, we had recorded this episode, and then the audio, uh, I got incinerated. And uh, yeah. now we're here again. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Yeah. Take two. Um, yeah. Remember that first one? Tons of fun. Oh, wait. You guys haven't heard it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it just got lost somewhere in like moving stuff around somehow. And then I actually like, split it across the hard drive and the portable hard drive. So when I uh, tried to like when I moved, when I removed the hard drive, it just eviscerated it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, yeah, that was bummer. Yeah, Yeah. I was just saying, I'd never heard of anything quite like that. I don't know if I could recreate it if I tried. (laughs) Let's (laughs) not. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but yeah, yeah, I just felt like the the story and just kind of the underlying uh, messages and and just the whole book kind of encompasses so much that it's so easy to get drawn in by Mm -hmm. the story you know like so many subtle things that you pick up throughout the book just keeps you keeps you locked in and that's one of the things that i really enjoyed about it um on top of like the like face value narrative of everything that happens like it's just like mm -hmm. every it's one of those ones that like the first time you read you're not quite as aware of it but every single line has something to add to character development or Mm -hmm. world development or like going back through it like every sentence is intentional and has something and nothing is filler yeah yeah um which i think is partly because um something i didn't know until right before this is you said that uh this book originally wasn't meant to be part of a trilogy um so I think there was originally some stuff that didn't quite tie in or not tie in like that much that in the second and third book definitely do, mm-hmm. but like just very small things. Mm-hmm. This book does not have like any extra shit in it that it doesn't need. 
Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I guess for from my take, like because of that, some of it was just like so packed that I'm sure like I there were things that I missed for sure since this was my first time going through it and especially listening. Like I I haven't listened to much audiobooks before, so this mm-hmm. was kind of a new one and like some of the 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 wordage the word usage Mm and uh like terms they refer to with lack of explanation is just kind of like you got to pick it up as you go and figure out like retroactively yeah do you remember at what point in the book you like realized what formation instinct is um i i Formation Instinct was actually the ones I think I kind of picked up on a little bit quicker, uh, even in like the first chapter or two, uh, just because it kind of seemed like something that was was almost like supposed to be programmed into the soldiers in like the first mm-hmm. chapter or two or three. I don't remember exactly where it was that I picked it up, but it's just like the the kind of programmed in instinct to follow formation and to follow command of superior mm-hmm. officers and and things like that. So that one I picked up on pretty quick. It was more the, like the calendar basis mm. and calendrical warfare stuff that I was like, what is this saying? That yeah. I was like so lost. <laughs> on. It's uh time science. Yeah. Yeah. It's time math magic mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yeah uh, one of the reviews articles they i found a shit ton of reviews couldn't find any like uh essays or deep analyses mm-hmm. that we could um use to help kickstart another discussion on this but uh one of them talked about something that we had mentioned the last time we talked about this a week ago <laughs> of having technology levels uh so advanced that they're indistinguishable from magic mm-hmm. um and how yun Lee just embraces that and runs with it mm-hmm. and doesn't bother to explain how shit works because you, you're not supposed to know yeah which and after having kind of finished the book you know going through it was kind of like almost a little annoying or like i was a little lost so i felt that I felt a little annoyed by that at times, but in mm-hmm. the end, I was just like, you know, like I'm glad there was no explanation that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it leaves it totally up to you to That's, figure yeah. it out and to imagine like what's what's in the world and what's going on. That's mm-hmm. kind of, I think, how like the same uh, like progression I had of like what the fuck does all of this do? What does it mean? And mm-hmm. then just at a certain point uh, later on, just being like, you know, that's the right choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a really interesting part of like non visual storytelling is a large part of the medium is allowing room for imagination and like to kind of build your own version of the thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah and honestly there's a point where i was just super annoyed because it's just like i have no idea what's going on mm-hmm. and I, it's just like i feel like i'm missing so much and then throughout more of the storytelling you are able to pick up more um as it kind of it doesn't really ever explain it but as it kind of 
goes through more incidents of this kind of level of technology that you know is basically magic to to our reality mm-hmm. and then it's kind of like you know that that is cool that is like, like steve said that's the right way to do it yeah yeah um and going through the second and third book the technology only gets weirder because they oh, get oh yeah they get more <laughs> into the technology but not necessarily like how it works okay just more examples of different tech um nice yeah um the moth drives are weird yeah not saying that the first is the worst in the series um because it's a terrible book or it's a wonderful book (laughs) 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 no it's, it's a very uh amazingly crafted book but as you go on more and more stuff about the world gets explained um mm-hmm. and there's just like a lot of details about like cool world building or character development that just happen in the second and third book mm-hmm. because it, it all it compounds on the first one mm-hmm. so everything's building off of that okay so you get so much more as you go through it i found on solaris's site um their version of like the factions they have Mm-hmm. The, I don't know if you'd looked at the different pictures. Yeah, no, last week I'd, I'd looked through them and mm-hmm. um, yeah, there the is there's some, mm-hmm. and it looks like space because it's it's a void moth. Yeah, yeah. Um, moths in space. Yeah, the the depictions were were super cool. The moth drive that was actually also one of the things that took me a while to pick up on. And it was just like, what are the moths? And and that's just like, oh, it's it's the it's the ships. Like, mm-hmm. and there's just like different types of moths, like that have different functions. Um, which, you know, like I I understood the like basis of it once they actually started talking about like I think it was. Um, the banner moth or, or something like that and mm-hmm. then it got into like cinder moth and i was like oh okay these are different types of like like warships mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. one's meant for i don't know if they destroying have one in the first book but there's also like scout moths and box moths they have box moths yeah um, they have a needle moth mm-hmm. at the end yeah um, yep. yeah that was one thing that was like it was weird to imagine because initially it was just like are they like just riding on giant moths (laughs) and then uh, you know that was just a brief thought and i was like no that's ridiculous it was just it you know figured out that it was just referring to the ships like that was the name Um, they're just doing it dune style i just yeah (laughs) ride a giant animal just turn into sting and float around (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh yeah but the the way it progresses throughout the story, um, I really enjoyed the the pacing of the story. It almost like it's just like it just kept rolling. Like there yeah. wasn't really any stop or lulling. It was just kind of like a constant pace of it's rolling on with whatever part of the narrative they were telling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I really appreciated that. Uh, sometimes in books, if it lulls a little bit too much, it's hard for me to finish. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I know that feeling in all the books that I haven't fucking finished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same boat. Um, that's actually the reason why I never got through the Harry Potter series. <sighs> which one lulled for you? Um, which one was it? Uh, 
It might have been Order of the Phoenix. I could see that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I. That's yeah. the book that inspired my current version of handwriting. Because um, oh, I have oh, an wow. example of Voldemort's handwriting, and I was like, oh, it's so cool. And then okay. I just started. Without thinking of the fact that I'm copying, you know, Voldemort's handwriting. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, say, you copied the evil handwriting. Aspiration. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm not evil, guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I was going to... Oh, you talked about just, like, the momentum mm-hmm. of the book, and it just, like, keeps mm-hmm. fucking chugging along. I don't think it's much of a spoiler... In later ones, uh, you follow more than one person, and it goes yeah. back and forth. So, like, you'll be on one uh, character's like story, and you'll just be barreling forward, and then you'll like take a sidestep towards something else, and mm-hmm. then when you come back, you're like, "Holy shit! I forgot how fast we're moving." Mm-hmm. And it it like sort of did that where it jumped to like a little side part, but it was just to kind of explain like a different aspect of like the, the battle on in the fortress or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like explaining the dynamic of, of the Kel army, you know, the uh, one specific incident or chapter, the really short chapter where it's just like the two survivors yeah mm-hmm. and there's the uh the corporal or whatever in the in the lower rank and she's basically like all right we're gonna go like blow up this equipment like i got a plan just like go out there lob some grenades and like it'll be cool like i'll cover and, you and yunha mentions at the beginning kind of in passing that he's just like loaded up with like he's just mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't take that as important. I was like, oh dang, he's got lots of grenades. Yeah, like, he's like ready to blow shit up. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then like it, it continues, and you find out that her plan was for him to stumble over the formation instinct because he doesn't want to, but has to. And with that pause, uh, mm-hmm. because she's a crash hawk, with that pause, she's gonna blow him up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That point, like I was like oh shit like this like they have no regard for each other really it's mm-hmm. just like you do what you're told i think of the yeah. kel as like kind of like just drone bees yeah yeah with a little bit more levels of hierarchy like they, they're just mm-hmm. yeah expendable. Drone bees are like ants. fire ants yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 the first formation was a suicide formation yeah so. yes yeah which um harkens back to a lot of technological discoveries of like the first way we discover something yeah. is mm. really destructive. I recently yeah. watched uh, the first Godzilla mm. and like the OG Godzilla. Yeah, like okay. the OG 54 okay. yeah. Godzilla. Wow. Um, I think it was 54. But uh, they used this oxygen destroyer in it and uh you put it in water and it just completely rips all the oxygen apart into different liquids or whatever Um, and the effects are kind of funny because he puts it in a tank and then the fish just like it's like fading from a a shot of moving fish it's like a cross like a fade (laughs) over to just a shot of fish skeletons floating up that's pretty good but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah i but uh, like in that world that like if if Godzilla hadn't attacked and caused this emergency thing to like, have you guys seen it at all? 
I think there's a lot of like the delivery is obviously dated. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot more commentary on like the hydrogen bombs and bomb testing in the war. Cool. Um, and there's with the guy who creates these water destroyer things, there's like a bunch of stuff with like, he doesn't want the information to get out and some shit that I'm not going to spoil. But, um, like, like that's the first instance of discovering that technology um, and it's like super destructive, but if we further research it, we could probably turn it into like a source of energy mm-hmm. or, you know, something more usable. Well, and I don't know the sourcing for this, but um, I learned recently that apparently when we discovered radar as a species, it was an attempt to make a death ray, which is oh, nice. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. For fun ones. Let's make a death ray. <laughs> we tried yeah. for a good minute. It's, it's really weird how like a lot of our technological advances have been where it's like if the intent is good to like create energy then a lot of times it leads to something very very destructive like like the atomic bombs mm-hmm. and then things like that where it's like we're trying to do some evil shit and it's just like wow this is actually a really cool like not dangerous <laughs> advancement yeah it kind of reminds me upon. of a certain friend who every time I ask his advice, I do the opposite because he gives bad advice. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> Does it usually work out pretty well then? Or? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> he just doesn't. I don't know. He's just always the opposite of what really needs to happen. So <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. It's almost like I have something that's kind of like the opposite a little bit where I have a friend that comes to me for advice occasionally and then she'll do the opposite and it ends terribly for her. And I'm just like, I just want to be like, I told you so. (laughs) Then I feel a little bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And we're talking about you, Chad. (laughs) No, don't know a Chad. I don't know an actual Chad either. I've never met a Chad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, interesting thing from the article, uh, I don't think Yoon Ha wrote it, but the article where it's like talking about before it was a trilogy. Um, I was going to say you could scroll to the top and see who wrote it. Arbata, maybe. Depends on the publication. Unless it's one of those publications where they never post what their author is. Which I don't like that. I want to know who wrote this. Yeah, that's kind of annoying. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's by Anna, so it's definitely not <laughs> Yoon Ha. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. Um, Shout out to Anna. Which, uh, it's one of the paragraphs starts off with saying the original handwritten version doesn't exist because of the 2016 Louisiana floods, um, which I remember mm. hearing about um, from a coworker of mine who was good friends with Yoon Ha, which also... Wait, yeah. back back that up? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's how I learned about these books. One of my um, coworkers in the bakery at Open Harvest is in like writing circle with him. And... Uh, do you remember in the book all the times where uh, Vahen's Afir Dynome would be talking about all these pastries? Yeah. That was a nod to my coworker who was a baker. What? Yeah. And that theme of like delicious baked goods continues through yeah. the books. Yeah. Um, and like she's credited 
in the like beta readers and the thanks and all that stuff i can point it out to you i'm not gonna say your name on the podcast but yeah she uh, i needed a book for a fucking book report for my um sci-fi lit class and she handed me nine fox gambit and that's, now I have a favorite author. Right? That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah. I remember hearing about the floods. And uh, so the original handwritten version was lost. Some of the differences, uh, like Hexarch Sh- uh, Shuas mm-hmm. was in like just a couple throwaway lines and wasn't really a character. He figured he'd never see him again. <laughs> I actually um, like, kind of like Mikadez. Jadaw was good. originally just like a complete fucking sociopath with... Um, <laughs> With brain-breakingly <laughs> awful childhood flashbacks in which he vivisected one of the family's pet geese. Oh. Uh, oh that's which, a way different than how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say, he's already kind of a sociopath, but that's like a different level. Yeah. 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 Ian Hall goes on to say, it did, however, make for an excellent family joke. We started having roast goose for Thanksgiving dinners <laughs> in the Jadao the sociopath's <laughs> honor. <laughs> Except humanely killed. Of course. Um, of course. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he uh, experiment, experimented with sexual tension between Cheris and Jadao um, on the advice of an alpha reader, but hated the results that so much that they nixed it in the revisions and explicitly wrote Cheris as a lesbian. <laughs> 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 That's great. But can you imagine that, like... Oh, like, yeah, uh, that'd be intelligence weird. that's injected into your head and part of your shadow and you having a, like a ro- that would be so hard to make work hey yeah. girl we got a nice butt <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that'd be that'd be a weird weird dynamic if you could do it right maybe but that sounds like it'd be very difficult to yeah to do like without making it weird to most people yeah where, huh. it's, where it's like, yeah, this this man exists in your brain, and there's just sexual tension. Um, with your brain. One of the most significant yeah. differences was the ending. In the original draft, after the massacre at the end, a Narai rescue ship shows up and picks up Cheris. Hexarch Narai Kujin congratulates her on a job well done, and she rides off into the sunset. <laughs> and apparently, Kujin <laughs> wasn't the monster. He is now. Um, he was just a lonely old man terrified of death. Huh. But uh, Yoon Ha took all of the sociopathic shit from the original Jadao and, and just injected it into Kujin. Okay. That makes sense. That dude is I, creepy. Fuck. They, yeah. they, they only touch on like a little oh bit in God. this one. But yeah, I would say Jeez. even just so much. Even the little bit that I know about him in this, it's just like, what the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Like, He's one of those people, which I've I've had this happen a couple times in real life, where you meet someone, and then you kind of get to know them, and then you just take a couple steps back out of their life, uh, and you're just like, I'm not, like, you don't even play the game of trying to stay on their good side in case they snap so that they don't shoot you when they fucking go postal. (laughs) Like, you just, you just go back into being a stranger. Yeah, you're just yeah, like, and away. we don't Didn't, know each other. Yeah. Part of this crowd, <laughs> shade into the God. background. Yeah, um, yeah, Kuchin's spooky dude. You know, yeah. surgically altering everybody he works with so they're pretty, yeah. and then you know, fucking up their brain until they're fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, I don't know if they say it in this one, but he's like the 
Hexacker's best psychosurgeon or something like that. Yeah, they mentioned that. That's yeah, what, yeah and that he. I have such a hard time differentiating which, like, what? Yeah, he invented the fucking hexarchet. Yeah. 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 Or heptarchet, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heptarchet. Heptarchet. Yeah. Until he realized, like, oh, we don't need those guys to make the math work, and you know, let's kill all the uh, guys talking about morals. The thing that like really like creeped me out with him was the point where it's in like the flashback memory of uh, Jadao where he's just like in his room writing mm-hmm. and this like random dude that he doesn't know walks into his room and is talking to him and his instinct is just like shoot this motherfucker and then just another dude walks right in after and it's like all right let's try this again and I was like what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I about lost my shit a little bit with that one. I was just like, uh... Yeah. And then I was like, oh, he just has another body, like, on standby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they say the uh, the first man to go into the Black Cradle turned mad, and the second was mad already. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it does seem like being immortal would be pretty bad for the brain, but Kujin... Uh, so it was pretty fucked up by the time he yeah. got to the black cradle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you would have yeah. to have some good science to keep the brain goo from mushing out <laughs> well in this case you don't really have to worry about that because you just yeah. get a new brain but um, like <laughs> in the first steps of yeah potential actual life of mortality is like uh, yeah lunch is fucking scary yeah yeah uh, um yeah you would um have to yeah, figure out how to grieve for all everybody you've ever known. So that'd be um, a yeah. fun process. Have you guys ever? I feel seen like after a while you would kind of develop like an understanding and like attached attachment. Like you would, I don't know. Or you start surgically altering your staff. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever seen um, Altered Carbon on Netflix? Have not. I watched some of it. I didn't finish it, but. Um, I finished it, but there's kind of, this is, that discussion reminded me of that a little bit. You know, there's people so rich that they can essentially like transfer Mm. their consciousness into like different bodies, usually their own. If they're rich enough, like they'll create Mm -hmm. copies of themselves and just continually replace their bodies as needed, which it's like that, like, how do you maintain your sanity? And it kind of talks about how they essentially like lose some of their humanity and they have to do like different things to get some level of feeling and excitement out of life. And it's just like, you are essentially losing your humanity to some extent. It seems like, yeah, if you're a person that believes in the soul, that would like fracture your soul every time you transfer. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, there's a lot of touch on that in uh, Count Zero by William Gibson, where there's a character who is the most powerful and wealthy, like, single individual in the world. And they have, they're basically on, like, a hunt for immortality. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the a big part of the book. But they, um, it's like, yeah, what happens when you have someone with enough resources to snap their fingers and make, like, anything happen? Um, it seems like any like reference to humans chasing immortality is just seems like a bad idea yeah for one reason or another and i would definitely agree in this regard because of how like crazy and fucked up kujin seems yeah 
and uh okay uh would i be accurate in saying that like when um cheris initially wakes up after uh like agreeing to well sort of agreeing <laughs> to have like jadao um implanted into her or anchored to her rather mm-hmm. um that it's Kujin that's also there with her um kind of in that part because it talks about her waking up and like you know getting custom to the body and then somebody walks into the room as well is that Kujin? i believe so okay I uh, from my i don't remember exactly but i'm pretty sure that's Kujin. okay because i i can't remember specifically if that was Kujin, but i think it's Kujin. if you listen or remember and we're terribly wrong sorry yeah our bad um yeah uh yeah, the Hexarch is an interesting place where, you know, you got to burn heretics in order to make your uh, toaster work. Well, okay. God, yeah, it's just so... <sighs> yeah, it's so weird and so, like, initially it just seems... You and I did such a beautiful job of creating a subtly frustrating world that like you don't know exactly how like unnerving it is until you really fucking think about it for a minute yeah Mm -hmm. well because all the characters it's so normal to them Mm -hmm. so it's not it's never like brought up in like i mean it it, it is kind of brought up in an alarming way of it but it's just like this person's the odd person because they don't believe in the remembrances and shit like that yeah, and it's like even all the people that don't believe in it in the book that you meet are all still going along with it, and it's just like a begrudging dislike. Mm-hmm. And it's just it just kind of referencing back to like the subtlety of how Yinha brings those things into the narrative. Like I didn't realize that these you know remembrances were essentially just like torturing brutal mm-hmm. fucking torture yeah i think there's some that are just like like normal things like um with uh the fortress when they get them to um falsely like celebrate like those are remembrances that are happening um so it, it can be lots of different kinds of things right but yeah that it sounds more. like a good bit of it revolves around torture and murder mm-hmm. that one seemed to be more of like celebration feast mm-hmm. but there's a point where it just kind of gave that subtle nod or subtle reference to torturing people for these remembrances and i was just like wait did did I, did I listen to that right? That was one of the points where I kind of had to go back yeah, and be it's like, a, what? Uh, and in, right? And in Vendona, like, and excuse to have control over the people through fear. Rahal and um, kind of, a, Rahal and Andin, I believe, because Rahal are the Inquisitors and they're the ones that they, are in charge of all the calendar. They do, like, um, shit. specific investigation shit. I believe they do re-education and um yeah also uh we should go through which factions are high factions and low factions mm. um because it's kind of interesting does does it ever explain what level or like whether frick what's the what's the name of the seventh one 
Oh, uh, the uh, Leos? Leos, that's right. Does it ever explain whether the Leos was a high faction or a low faction? I believe they were a high faction, but I'm not. Okay. 100%. But on on that side note of the Leos, while Steve is, is finding this information, yeah. freaking... I didn't know this until you guys explained it that the Leos and maybe it explains it further in like the later books, but the Leos were just like philosophers and mm-hmm. like the first time that it kind of explains it is one of, in one of Jedi's memories and is the first time that it brings up the word democracy mm-hmm. and how they were like, you know, pining for the democracy and working for the democracy. And so the rest of the Heptarchid at the time was like, nope, you guys are out fuck you guys yeah so yeah and they call democracy like a um archaic like, oh form yeah, of government. yeah i think in later books they talk about how slow it is to vote shit in um as yeah which is like yeah it's more efficient to have you know brutal dictators who get their job via murdering their predecessors which is really only the show us but um <laughs> Uh, it's also the, the head chair spooky. the hex arc chair is always just like open if you can take it basically yeah mm-hmm. um, which they do some really cool shit with that in later books that I'm excited for you to to read yeah um, so the raw hall are a high faction um, hex arc raw hall iduja iruja I don't know how I should pronounce that I yeah. defaulted to Japanese but I don't think that's it. No. Nope. Um, they have the Scry Wolf. Their motto is many lenses, one mind. Their colors are gray and bronze. Um, and their faction ability is signifier scrying, which helps with interrogations. Oh, yeah. It's their like weird memory um, thing. But I, they not don't as get good as actual books. mind reading. Think of it as a slightly more reliable tarot reading. They are nominally the Hexarchid's leaders, legislator and ju- legislators and judges responsible for maintaining the calendar and its regulations despite this their habitual asceticism means that they are one of the poorer factions they also protect citizens who have no faction affiliation because all of the like cycles and planets and moons require conjugal corrections they also snap up a certain percentage of math mathematicians um if you go on solaris's site you can read the uh opinions of each faction on the other factions i'm not going to go through those Thinari mm-hmm. are a low faction and is the is it completely clear in the first book here just the hexarch line can i read that oh yeah yeah they, they they talk about okay, that okay so um, the true hexarch is narai kujin and the false hexarch is narai fian um they have the Void Moth. Their motto is every sky is full of stars, black and silver. Um, they always know what the local time is, uh, which is their thing. That's like their mm. their fun magic is knowing what time it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really winning on that one. The Nerai are the STEM faction. Uh, they're pretty apolitical yeah. um, since they're focused on technology rather than it's ideology. Just, all the scientists and engineers got together and we're like, we're our own branch. Yay. Um, the Andan are a high faction run by Andan Shandal Yang. Uh, their emblem is the knife rose. Their motto is petal sweet, thorn sharp. Their colors are blue and silver. Uh, they have the enthrall ability, which is basically to like hypnotize and mentally dominate socially inferior people. 
and physical proximity, strength diminishes with repeated use. So I don't think that was in the first book. But mm-hmm. um, I'll get to that later. They dominate culture and finance. They're the richest faction. They're responsible for first contact, diplomacy with foreign powers, and along with the Vedona for assimilating heretics who are deemed capable of being transitioned to following the he- uh, Hexarchate's doctrine. So they use like beauty and body modding and stuff as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, Vedona are a low faction. They have the Stingray. Vedona saw uh, their motto is through blood we prevail. They're green and bronze and they have the death touch. It doesn't even explain it. You'll just have to wait for a later book. Okay. Um, they also, they have doctors that do the heretic torture stuff. Yeah. And they do education. And then the Shuos are a high faction run by Mikadez. They have the nine fox. Their motto is the more eyes, the better. Colors are red and gold. It says they have no faction ability. Uh, this is reportedly a deliberate decision on part of the first Shuos heptarch. But no one knows for sure. People frequently wonder if the Shuas are lying about this too. I, I so I like that. that in the official, like post, just description. It's still like, ah? is there is there Shuas <laughs> fucking mind games coming into the real world? Yeah, I love the idea of like a whole branch of government made out of spies, where the whole <laughs> the whole thing is just real, like sneaky, and everybody is like lying and cheating on each other and yeah. you got all this chaos you get uh a a like you want to move up in the world shoot your boss um <laughs> if you get shot by your underlings <laughs> you deserve it um, yeah kinda. but the shoes are the strategists uh they do intelligence and they're cunning they play a lot of games yeah it talks about the shoes tradition for the hexarch to claim the seat by assassinating the predecessor Mm-hmm. Which Mikadesh has been, I believe it's like 40 years. Or this something. is a good hex. Hexuck is lucky to last a decade. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's mainly at like three or four decades, I believe. He, yeah. Um, is, turns out, real good at, he you know, knows not his dying. fucking shit. And then Literally. the Kelly Low faction run by Kelt Soro and the Kel Command Hive Mind. They have the Ashhawk. Their motto is from every spark a fire colors are black and gold um and they have formation instinct and they just are all of the kinetic shit that needs to happen um so the high factions are the shuos the andan and the uh rahal okay i feel like the kill like faction ability isn't much of an ability it's just like do your shit yeah. And we already talked about that a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you guys felt like you would be in a faction, if you were going to be in a faction, which one do you feel like you would fit in the best? Definitely not the Narai. You uh, don't think you'd be in the Narai? I want to say Andin, but probably Vedona. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have enough energy to do all the social competing and bullshit, and I would just be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Which I like that the uh, what differentiates high versus low is just like how like like competitive you are. Like the low factions are um, uh, 
what's it fucking called? The opposite of individualistic. Um, and then the high factions tend to be like, you're out there for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the Kel stick together, the Narai stick together, the Andon or the Vodona stick together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think either Vodona or I, I think I would try to be a Shuos and be like, that seems I know fun. I want to, but I feel like I'm just, <laughs> I might I get shot in Academy you to, to work for them. I yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like it would be an exhausting job. God, yeah. I'm I'm kind of in that same boat of like kind of wanting to be like in the shows because like games and like mm-hmm. like I really like that part of it. Um I don't know if I'd be like sly and tricky enough for it though personally, which is why I think I'd end up in the Narai cuz like I like technology and Yeah, you're a smart boy. Yeah. yeah. You got them that. smart brains. Studying that engineering, so it's just like engineering <laughs> is technology based. Yeah, so it's like as like weird as it is to think about that and like Kujin's the head of Kujin's the Narai. Yeah. Yeah. You would know that though. Yeah, you would have yeah. no idea. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Unless you were so good that he brought you under his wing. I which would, I would suck. <laughs> he put his probes into your brain. Yeah. And being... his scalpels under your skin. <laughs> no thanks. Um, <laughs> but you would I, be beautiful. I don't think they introduce it till the second book, but it's not a spoiler in any way. But uh, they mention in the Shuos that there are, um, there's foxes and then, I don't remember what the other term is, or foxes and hounds, I believe. And hounds are the Shuos that are just like desk workers. Um, Basically, they're the people that like get shit done and then foxes are like the secret agents like behind the scenes kind of yeah. kind of work yeah so i, I like can do behind the scenes shit i think for yeah. uh the shoe of do some like... analysis <laughs> yeah yeah in eighth grade in the career like oh what do you should you be when you grow up my uh top two were uh a uh uh fbi like uh analyst or like yeah like it was like you should work for the fbi and uh doing uh filmography stuff and my was like, fucking weird. number one on that shit was venture capitalist <laughs> <laughs> your job should be being rich yeah like be and, rich and help people start their shit so yeah. i can make more like what the fuck kind of career <laughs> suggestion is that someone uh, on there was like football coach and i'm like what? no what? yeah I it was sports. like weirdly specific yeah i just remember researching um like we had to research careers and then researching like working for the FBI and somebody else was looking at like cop stuff and FBI agents make less than cops or at least make oh, less shit. than cops in California. And I was like, that's weird or yeah. on average make less. Um, yeah. I, I was like, that's odd. One of them deals with bombs and terrorists. <laughs> so, you know. I want to say that mine was something like super boring, like an accountant or something like, cause I was, I was like good with numbers and, kind of <laughs> and I was like, fuck that. Like as like your whatever, like fifth grade self. And I was just like, no, nah. but I mean, I guess engineering is not too far from that numbers based, but more involved. It's like you a numbers boy. I it's a numbers like boy. machine account now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're accounting for the laws of physics. Um, But back back to the actual book. um, 
one of the things that we we didn't talk about last last week that we were like we should talk about this was um Cheris's character development throughout mm. yeah. the whole, yeah. whole story of of Nine Fox Gambit. Yeah. Um she starts off very like law abiding mm-hmm. and very um, very kel. Yeah, mm-hmm. very very kel. So do you th- the the change like well, let's first discuss the change that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, she uh like begins to think for herself and question things and then uh you know fights her way off of a ship and escapes into space and becomes a criminal so um do you think it was her like new position of like being in charge and not being under anyone or do you think jadao bled through that much Mm-hmm. I I honestly think it was or at least like the actual progression was more of like Jadao's influence on her than it was mm-hmm. her position. Yeah, because he does get her to like through his games mm-hmm. think about things from different angles. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. And even though like she's in this new general position, I don't think she really feels like she is yeah she yeah she really yeah, didn't want to be a general she's she really, really uncomfortable with it and like like seeing the other generals and interacting with them at least initially uh for the first while it almost seems like she kind of has this uh inferiority still of like feeling like yeah, she, she has, should be a captain she has mm-hmm. a lot of imposter syndrome yeah. going on mm-hmm. he he very early on talks about how like hey you can't just defer to like these other people because if you do that you're not going to be in charge anymore yeah exactly and so i think i really do think it was mostly jadao's influence on her and like those games that kind of helped her one think for herself mm-hmm. um especially but then to kind of realize that she is in a position of of authority and power Mm -hmm. um and she kind of needs to take on that character even though she went from a low-ranking kel to a general like that just because of this Mm -hmm. idea that she made her come up with jadao is very good at taking that like little sliver of doubt or like disagreeing with an ideal and just turning it up slowly and slowly Mm -hmm. until yeah, you're doing some crazy shit. It's almost like he's had a lot of practice. Yeah. He's just been waiting for the perfect four centuries of... <laughs> we talked about last uh, time about how it had been long enough mm-hmm. of doing this with Jadao that they um, forgot about like Jadao's weakness and what he needs is someone good at math so that he can yeah. mm-hmm. pull off his, his plan. Mm-hmm. And they just... Enough fuck up. Enough generations have come and bought and come and gone that um they no longer paid attention to that and they're like, Oh yeah, this one looks great. Um, and and on that note, I think it's literally in like the second chapter and I think it's 
uh is it Mikadez and Kujin are talking about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the the candidate that they want to bring in and it's like oh she's good with numbers and like it's a specific thing they talk about with her and why she might be a good candidate yeah um even though she's a Kel and people who are good at numbers usually go to like the the Narai or the Andin mm-hmm. yeah um it's uh it's interesting cuz you then later learn that um Kujin is in on the idea of a rebellion mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and partnered with Dao. So it's like, okay, I understand why he would be like, yeah, this math person's great, but why did Mikita suggest them? Yeah. Or, or was it all part of like Kujin's game and plan to um, be like, so yeah, yeah, Mikita in the very beginning talks about um, like doing these things so that he can like get the suggestion right. But then later I'm pretty sure um, Kujin something around him like suggests that like or maybe it's Mikita's doubting him like I think at in the beginning Mikita's talks about that and he's like but what like what if I was influenced to choose her mm. to because there was mm. like correlation before so I think Kujin pulled strings to get Mikita's to suggest her just like they pulled strings to get hers to, to suggest uh, anchoring Jadao mm-hmm. and it's just like all of these levels of like puppeteering yeah because mind games yeah. Even, yeah all the shows exist only because kujin created them so yep yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it, like it's it's it was to the point where i felt like everything was just going according to kujin's plan and even in the end where cherish like uh, takes in the the shards of of Jadao from the um, what was it carrion bomb, mm-hmm. which I'm still curious. Like, so maybe they say it in the book and I just missed it, but it's like okay. So the other people, their just body just turns into glass. Um, Jadao is it like is it the shadow? Does she just vomit out a bunch of glass? Like she's uh, in her brain. Where's the glass coming from? I think I would guess from the shadow or maybe I kind of presume if you that, like if we're assuming that there's like like a soul or something like some non-physical thing that's anchored mm-hmm. and not just like memories that construct a consciousness. Yeah. yeah. Um I I which, took because yeah like, I would say it's safe to say is the case in the scenario since her shadow and reflection yeah. change and her shadow uh, has eyes. So uh, I think it's that yeah. like non-physical like presence in the room mm-hmm. that gets turned physical into the crystals, so that she can conveniently for the book's sake eat them. Yeah, tasty. Yeah, that's that's kind of. I can't how imagine I how gross those would be. Oh. <laughs> Imagine they would just be flavorless glass things. Do they taste like memories? I honestly think that they would be like bitter or something or like they'd have like... Tastes like chicken. (laughs) Maybe it's spicy. (laughs) (laughs) Hot sour crystals. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But that's that's how I took it. That it was just kind of like the, the mental presence was, you know given a physical form in, in the glass with the, sh- the shadow kind of thing uh, mm-hmm. that that it discussed with the, the moths and, mm-hmm. and such. Also something from that period of the book with the uh, 
I love the use of servitors and the servitor, um, like just sitting there acting dead and the assassin being like, Oh, yeah, you guys just killed servitors. Hadn't thought about it. Um, and then gets shot in the back of the head by a servitor. Um, There's a lot of like most people just overlook the servitors so much yeah. that like they like should she can get shit done if you know the servitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They and they like she arrives on the ship and they know about her and they care about her already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that like there's lots of cases throughout the books of like interacting with the servitor and then whoever else is there is like. I hadn't ever considered it. Huh. Yeah. What do they think about us? Like they like watching TV. Um, and yeah, you, you meet some more servitors in the future books that, um, are good. That was actually one of the things that I, I really enjoyed. And I actually, um, I had the thought, uh, because there's a point where it kind of mentioned, Cherish gets along with the servitors very well and that she'll talk to them. And then there's another point where it was kind of, it was one of the chapters where it, it cut to the one of the servitors for a bit and two of them were talking and one of them mentions like, we never offer help, but mm-hmm. we are more than happy to help if it is asked of us essentially. And I was just like, oh shit. And I was just like, this this is going to be important somewhere along the way. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and when the the Kel go down to do the suicide mission, or the uh, server just go down to the suicide mission, they're like, "We are Kel. We will serve." Mm-hmm. And they, it's like, oh shit. Er, er, yeah. Everyone on the crew was like, "Oh, damn! Didn't know you guys like cared that much." Um, <laughs> <laughs> and even even I hadn't picked it up until then that they're like, "Yes, like we are Kel. We we will do what we are told." Like we're yeah. part of the team here and that's just like oh dang like and the humans had no idea it's such a fascinating idea of yeah like machine intelligence arises and then it just does its own thing because it realizes like oh we might we it'll work out better if we just work for them and then you know have our own society that they don't know about um rather than have like the hexarch and kujin come down on them <laughs> uh yeah which also yeah, machine intelligence like is, in there uh it's less than 400 years old because Jadao was Didn't, born yeah. pre-machine intelligence. Yep. Um, it's it's um, interesting how they have more freedom in their robot slavery than some of the other people like because no yeah. one knows like what actually goes on like the shit that they talk about. There's more development in later books. Yeah, but like later on, there's a mention of like like they most do people don't know how many servitor passengers there are on a ship because the servitors are the ones that build the ships, so they can just add shit. And no yeah, one knows. they just yeah. like add shit to make it work for. <laughs> yeah, them. It, mm-hmm. it it made a mention of that where it's just like, and there are some passages that aren't in the plans, and it's just like okay, that is that's yeah, yeah. It, it does mention that like very briefly. It's literally like one line in the mm-hmm. whole book where it mentions mm-hmm. that. But I was just like. Damn, so the servitors really are, like, just their own entity. Mm -hmm. And they just, they, like, from an outside perspective, it kind of, like, looks like they're being really oppressed, but they kind of allow that so that they can, like, do their own thing and not really actually be monitored. Yeah. Yeah. Better to be a servitor than a kill. (laughs) For fucking sure. Holy (laughs) shit. Um, Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. That's a weird thought, but yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, except for that one time, nobody asks a server to go blow itself up. Um, though they yeah. do, you know, kill them without thinking about it um, in cases where, like, with the carrion bomb, like, it's like, oh, yeah, didn't even think about, like, yeah, it probably kills all the servitors, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it just, like, it just, like, momentarily made them dysfunctional, like, and mm-hmm. then Cherish just brings two of them back online, and then mm-hmm. that's how she ends up beating the, the assassin, the very, very, I can never is say it, it the same person I I, I, could swear. I still don't think it is I could have sworn it was her maybe the, what is Steve VH what's what's her name the fear they know. Vahens, so I'm just gonna call her Vahens. you could just say VH I could yeah. just say VH yeah. um, I'm just gonna stick with VH Can see if there's any artist renderings of the servitors um, ah, yeah, I, I like also that they're, they have a bunch of different shapes. Like, it's like, oh, it's a snake form and a bird form. And yeah. like some of them are just boxy. Just get, yeah, like yeah. delta forms. It's just like a fucking little pyramid bot. Yeah, yeah. yeah you get like yeah. all these interesting shapes. And some of them like walk and some of them crawl and some of them fly. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I'm like, I want okay. a little yeah. colorful, like speaking in color <laughs> little robot <laughs> friend. Yeah. Like, yeah. It uh, that'd be rad. It would be, um, but Go on, sick adventures. Yeah, I'm not getting anything. <laughs> one of us is wrong, and I don't know for sure. Who <laughs> I mean, what? It's two v one on uh, VH being the assassin at the end. I'm I'm probably wrong since you guys agree. Like but if I, I am it, right, they the listeners know I'm right, the, the, or yeah, they know I'm an idiot. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the ways, yes, um, yeah. but. <laughs> Assuming it's it's VH that it's mm-hmm. Vahens, um, because I'm okay. <laughs> I'm quick tangent on this, I guess. Cool. There, because she's leaving the fortress. Like she she's escaping mm-hmm. the fortress from having just killed uh Leo Zai, mm-hmm. uh, and her needle moth, and mm-hmm. then she she just like lands on t- on the cinder moth. That mm-hmm. just was hit with the carrying bomb. Burrows in, which you guys last week were like burning some crazy shit. Yeah. And then yeah, it just, we'll get to that. And then it literally just says burrows. And I was like, oh, cool. Like it, it burrows. Like a drill. But no. Yeah. Um, but uh, then it's just like she's looking through the ship and she's using the ship to like monitor life in the ship. Uh, and, and the cinder moth, she, she uses the needle moth to monitor life in the cinder moth. And is like able to track Cherish Jadao in that moment to try to kill her. Cherdao. Cherdao. Or. Yeah. Um, well, I don't Jiris. know if they touch on this in the end of the first book, but they definitely touch on in the second book that like they're not there by accident. They were sent there to clean up after the attack. Like they were on a mission to do that. Um who who was the the, the assassin on the, the ship assassin. was like sent there as a backup plan hmm. um interesting um because in the first book if i'm remembering this correctly it basically seems like that vh is or the assassin mm-hmm. i guess since we're speaking about it ambiguously <laughs> um is going in I just because like here. she she feels the need or she wants to kill Jadao and that's like mm-hmm. her 
pure reasoning is like, oh, I want to kill the the great emulation fox, the great general Jadal. It's a pretty big trophy to put on yeah. the mantle. Yeah, no, for sure. Like one of the greatest strategists in history that they still learn about in the academy. Never um, lost a battle. Never lost a battle. And it's just like, uh, oh, you oh keep sweet. going. Matt. Um, and yeah, it's it's a big trophy to put on the mantle, but mm-hmm. it's also like uh, okay. Uh, quick thing with that um, that I wanted to talk about, but just hadn't hadn't brought it up at the right time. The point where VH is kind of tailing Jadao chairs, just whatever you want to refer to it as, and the psychic power couple. <laughs> kind of she's kind of she's already taken in all the shards and there's a point where it's just following vh and you don't know who who it is mm-hmm. and when she encounters her it's seems like it's Jadao. Mm-hmm. like do you guys feel what is your guys's take just purely on the information of the first book and not later if you can kind of separate that. I don't think I can do that. Like, <laughs> fair, since you guys already know <laughs> like, how it works out. But, yeah. okay, if you can remember the first time you went through it, mm-hmm. who did you think it was in those moments before it cut to the very end where it's like Cheris and Jadao kind of talking, essentially? Yeah, I the, what, the assassin. Yeah, like when it, Honestly, when you just focus on the assassin and she's interacting with, um, I Cheris's was person. so confused with everything that I was just like, it was someone and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember being very much like, uh, I guess I'll figure it out for sure next book. I remember because <laughs> uh, I had read Nine Fuck Gambit right when it released and it was a year until the next one so I just forgot about that shit mm. by the time I started the second one I, um, I didn't start until the second one came out I I don't know I think it's Fahens I don't know you and Ha hit a boy up yeah so I'm shooting <laughs> Yeah, hit us up. Like, um, hey, I'm quick. saying uh, with of Cheris and Jadao, like she's acting as if she is solely Jadao, as in Jadao is like the mm-hmm. mental yeah. capacity oh, of Cheris's person. Understood yeah. the question. You're good. You were you were looking up some, yeah, some uh, stuff. Real quick, just so that all that is justified, yeah. I recommend you, the listener, don't go onto the wiki because it has spoilers all over the place. Uh, yeah. But search uh, like machineries of empire map, nine Fox gambit map, something like that. And get just the picture in a mm-hmm. Google image search. Um, and just like scroll around and find, uh, like the fortress of spin shot coins, uh, fortress of scattered needle, scattered needles, um, hellspin fortress. Um, there's candle on there referencing the battle of candle arc. Um, you can find all of the, like the landmarks laid out. Um, it shows like Kell Academy Prime, Kell Academy Secondary, um, Wolf Hall, like all of the major places. You can see like what direction the uh, the eels come from, uh, what direction the Hoffen come from. Yeah, I um, I love me a good book map. Mm-hmm. Also, and it's interesting like, they don't draw the... More uh, 
uh like societies or like governments than just the hexarchate like yeah yeah they're there's more people in space and they barely touch on them there is i don't remember if it's in the first book or the second book that it's a there's just a quick line about like like the hexarch um hexarchate dealing with heretics and um like foreign countries that may as well be heretics because they're not using the same calendar and you know they're just trying to get everybody under their big magic grasp the the point where your you as the reader are following vh and she finally gets to the point where um she is encountering um jadao or, or cherish's person essentially mm-hmm. cheerdow oh <laughs> just whacked that mic i think it was at a point where nobody's talking so i think it's okay yeah um <clears throat> yeah yeah i know who did you think was interacting with the assassin like i remember being really unsure and like is it cheris does she just have memories did jajao's personality like blast hers out of his, her brain like what um, is going are, are they no yeah, are they a new third person um, knowing what happens in actuality, I th- and throwing that out the fucking window, um, which isn't to say that this is or isn't like aligned, but just like, mm-hmm. um, at the time I thought that they had like permanently fused, like same situation, but like, um, whatever effect had just like burned him into her Mm -hmm. yeah okay and which it it sort of explains it at the very end of the book um and and saying that like they're they're like basically kind of like two in one Mm -hmm. um but different than before like it was more just like a buy one get one free yeah exactly (laughs) just a bogo Buy oh, one shell, get one um, unbeatable she ancient, ancient general, fucking suicidal <laughs> tactician. Um, but there's, there's who a wants point. to destroy the whole government? That's like yeah. buying a nice pair of like medium wash blue jeans, and then like it's full of spiders. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! That's why I don't go to Old Navy anymore. <laughs> All the spiders. I need to stop going to Old Navy. <laughs> No, I have nothing against that. That's why my legs are always so bitten up. <laughs> you're just. Look at your legs, down. they're just crawling yeah. constantly. <laughs> oh, that's a nightmare. Scenario. Fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah, all right. Ultimately terrifying. Oh my gosh. Um, mm. But it mentions, like, we, like. I like I like we are one, but we are also another one kind of thing. Something mm-hmm. along the lines of that. And I was just like, oh shit, which I I took it as like they are basically permanently fused into Cherish's body, kind of like she will forever have um two personalities in, in one body. Mm-hmm. Um one of the things we haven't talked about that we talked about last week with the last oh 15-ish minutes that I have available um, is the, like, we kind of hit on it earlier with, like, the level of technology, but 
the like application of this technology in terms of the, like the fucking amputation gun yeah and shit like that or the the carrion bomb where shit's turned to glass which the amputation gun does exactly what it sounds like and apparently i'd I'd take it Mm. and just like delimbs you yeah 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 you just get hit and then you're like oh don't got legs yeah fun um yeah uh the uh invariant tech is all spooky shit Outside of like Don't you mean the shield? exotic? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, the exotic. Um, they get to invariants later. Do they talk about invariants at all in this one? The invariant was just like the standard shit that doesn't, because invariant works regardless of the calendar, mm-hmm. and you need the calendar to get the weird effects to do all the spooky stuff. Cool. Yes. Correct. So um, the thing with like invariant ice mm-hmm. is that like it's an exotic effect, but it's invariant. Mm-hmm. Um. But, uh, yeah, the exotics are mostly terrifying, or most of the ones you hear about are terrifying. Um, yeah. There's non-terrifying ones, like moth dry, like being able to fly in space. Um, you know how it is such an amazing job of casually describing these horribly gruesome scenes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, because they're, they're just a casual, normal thing in this world. That's part of the terror of it all. <sighs> yeah. Oh, something I didn't realize until right after we recorded the last one um so first off like yunha in at least this series um a lot of the main characters are queer Mm -hmm. um and i just like a lot of the media i ingest is like that so i just like accepted it um but then i later realized that yunha is gay and yeah, you like, freaking brought that up last week, and mm-hmm. it, was it was like right after like, I turned off the mics. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, oh shit, like that's that's even more levels. But yeah, like Chuck Palahniuk, you wouldn't. Like, yeah, you know, I, yeah, he he was a surprise for sure. Um, just because you don't, society has taught you that like high levels of aggression isn't like a gay thing to be, but it can be. It's just a human thing. Yeah, it's just, you know, we're still animals evolved for not the world we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're but on it's, it. I like a lot of the work that's coming out that's work that's its goal is to normalize these things within a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which mm-hmm. I feel like this does that very well in the sense of like it's like such in passing that it mentions mm-hmm. that that Cheris is probably a lesbian and that Jadao is probably gay and it's just like and it's literally again so subtle with the way that he mentions in the narrative that um Cheris is not usually attracted to men mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. Jadao had uh, was like had a male lover and it's just like he does it in just like single little lines yep. mm-hmm. and it's just like oh you already like love or hate this character so much that that's like not even a factor anymore yeah having it be an aside instead of a leading mm-hmm. definition um, mm-hmm. yeah and they mention it a little bit in the first book they touch on it more in the future books on um like man forms and women forms and like transgenderism is normal mm-hmm. they kill frown on it because they're all conservative and 
I don't know, suicidal and yeah. angry. Um, but uh, outside the Kel, it's very normal. And mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, it's interesting. Oh, I was going to say we in like media, we and like uh, gay acceptance and queer acceptance. We had uh, kind of an era of like letting everyone know that we exist and now we're working on just like normalizing mm-hmm. not being an issue at all and mm-hmm. just like people being fine with it yeah i would say yeah like gender identity and sexuality stuff is like a minor part of this book and a much larger part of the next two books mm-hmm. um okay yeah touched on a lot more um, yeah I, that's i um there's like there's some priming for it kind of also that, like, like sexual predators and weird in like power structure control stuff yeah. um which is really like yeah like structural power and abuse is a big part of these books on how like you get this torture magic system that becomes normalized and it becomes the standard for life and then it's like yeah your mom's like you know her job is to torture heretics and that's normal and that's work and like yeah hmm. yeah like but yeah and like the ways that um books from several decades ago were working on like trying to get people to be not so fucking racist <laughs> um which is an issue we still have but people just fucking forget about it yeah we acted like we solved that one we, we yeah we yeah. know it it exists yeah but uh yunha is, is trying to do that with um homophobia mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love that he like gets you in on this like great fucking story mm-hmm. and that and you can't tell anyone's gender by their name you no, know, not at all until it refers to like them as like he or she, and mm-hmm. it's like those are those are also just like pronouns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the second two books, there's a lot more they. Okay. Um, stuff like that. I don't want to give too much away, but that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any other? We got about ten minutes of having Mason in our in our day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there any other things we wanted to? Let me. I guess the the last thing I got really is yeah, just kind of that like perception of what's actually happening versus what is actually happening, and like normalization of like normalization of like hectark practices and um, like everyone believes that like the Narai get new people and whatnot and don't know that like oh your government was designed and controlled by a crazy dude who you know built a torture magic system oh you mean like new hexarchs yeah okay Um, yeah yeah and like like, uh, all the factions get new recruits what are you talking about no sorry sorry um and uh yeah, just that, like, things are never really as they seem in the Hexarchid. Mm-hmm. Um, There's so many veils to pull back. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. Um, One thing that was brought up prior uh, is, like, what was... I think it was you that asked this, Steve. Like, what is 
like what was your favorite part of the book like you're the biggest like oh, yeah. wow moment. mine was the little side chapter with the two kel the one that's the oh, crash hockey yeah. yeah i just mm. i don't know that whole chapter i was like something's gonna happen then it happened i was like holy fuck the keller right terrible um we went back into this i remember when i first read it that whole next chapter just thinking back on the previous chapter and just i don't know it was such a like we needed a break in the storytelling so mm-hmm. you didn't get fatigued mm-hmm. and it was so like small but dense and compact it was like a grenade in and of itself um and like how it disrupted my thinking and i just like couldn't get past it it was real good i think mine would have to be the jizao memories at the end uh specifically just like when you come to understand his rebellion against the hex hexarchate and like how long he's been planning this and it's like yeah he didn't go crazy he yeah he's sniffer he's not insane yeah uh, mm-hmm. i mean he's kind of insane but not like not More the way the like think. deranged loneliness of being locked in a black void yeah being in, in a <laughs> void so long you forget what color looks like which that's spooky um yeah that also i was like wait what i yeah i wonder how long that takes my guess would be that it's a lot faster than i would think probably yeah the brain's pretty weird last time we were talking about going blind and losing your visual memory yeah and Um, how it happens really quickly mm -hmm. um but yeah yeah he's he's crazy not in like a actual insanity but in like a he thinks about the world very differently than a majority of people although there are a lot of heretics all the time heretics pop up often in the hex circuit and they just quell them that's mm-hmm. pretty constant um but yeah yeah my i was uh my favorite part is also the point where it's going through like judao's memories and just like so I'm the odd one out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really enjoyed the part that you were talking about because it is a break, you know, it, it it's a great break in the main narrative in the main storyline where it's just like, Hey, get a little, little dabble of this other shit. Double dabble. Mm-hmm. The way you said it a last dollop week, of Daisy. the way you said it last week, I think was that you felt like he just like woke up on a, on a foggy morning and just like wrote this side story. And oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah and then, I like, have a very romanticized <laughs> idea of him like being stuck in writing like the main story and like wanted to write but couldn't come up with anything. So he just wrote like a side. And then just like thing. plugged it in, which uh, it, that very well could be what it is. It's just like such a good like moment away from the main story, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of get that same feeling from the memories mm-hmm. of like it's it's a break from the side story, but it also explains all of Jadao's memories and all of his motivations mm-hmm. and his experience that led him to the point, you know, like him at Academy and mm-hmm. basically making, making a game that led to the death of his best friend slash secret slash not secret lover. I don't know. It didn't yeah. it really explain that too much. Yeah. That and him with, uh, it was Kirov, right? That was the predator superior officer oh the, um, she was one of the uh, heptarchids yeah she was the uh kill heptarch and uh yeah um and how she like seduced him yeah um and uh yeah that he's 
was molested and raped and then left the Kel because of that mm-hmm. or, or left uh, the Shuos because of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, yeah. Leader um, of the Shuos and then he left the Kel. And then specifically through the memories, I think my favorite one was probably the point where he was like on his first assassin mission mm-hmm. and his uh, partner uh, ends up getting like fatal injured mm-hmm. and and they're talking back and forth and they're basically just like you know the the hexarchate heptarchy which whichever one it was at the time there's like the, it's shit like it sucks mm-hmm. it's trash um and then it's just like we're they're like we're gonna die here like they resigned themselves that they were gonna die on that planet and just be forgotten and then they have a chance to be saved like mm-hmm. Jadao is like, I can save this man's life, but then I also be putting mine in danger because of what we've talked about mm-hmm. and the ideas that we have. And so even the, his partner, the other assassin is just like, like kill me, like protect yourself and fulfill this mission that we have thought up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy like scene of just like in a couple minutes while waiting for evac he decides he's going to do overthrow the government, um, which is a pretty big decision. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, do they, I don't remember if they say, I know during his life, um, for at least part of it, the Leos were around and I don't know if during his like first original lifetime, uh, the, like the whole civil war happened or if that took place while he was in the black cradle. Cause yeah, I, I think it makes a reference to it and that it happens after he's put in the black cradle because there's some, some point he mentions in a memory, like he wish he would have known mm-hmm. that the Leos were like, having these ideas of democracy and like basically mm-hmm. tearing down the, the current system. But he, it was like, he was like 20 years or 40 years uh, too early or something like that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one closing thought is talking about the Hellspin incident mm. and like how bad shit crazy that was. Yeah. Which I want to comment real quick on how good Yoon Ha Lee is at naming historical events. The Lantern mm-hmm. of Rebellion, the Battle of Hellspin Fortress, the Battle of Candlelark. Yeah. The, like, really great location names. Yeah. In yeah. Books. It was, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, yeah. The City of Ravens Feasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Also, yeah. um, two things. One, uh, titles of future books are now make sense after this book of, um, Raven Stratagen, Raven's Feasting, Cheris, um, and then uh, Revenant Gun, which uh, our friend Jadao, and uh, he's a Revenant, and he, you know, he's a pretty effective gun. Um, yeah. Uh, Spoilers. Yeah. Um, uh, I wouldn't say no. so. Yeah. Nope, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, hey, Isaiah Petty, it's Isaiah Petty's birthday, May 29th. Well, that's not even right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? That's... I just got a bleep. What? 
Windows notification. Why is my computer telling me that it's my birthday on the wrong day? Uh, I'm going to have to look into that. Uh, um. All right. Yeah. Any small closing remarks uh, before we cut? Because Mason's got to go places and be people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I I super enjoyed it. I know we opened with, with talking about it, but again has been one of my favorite books that i've read in a long time like it's just so well written yeah top five for sure it's Um, fucking good yeah and once again we're doing uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy by douglas adams next week it is a quick one it's good yeah Mm -hmm. make you laugh it doesn't make you laugh you fucking broke yeah (laughs) you broke i actually haven't read it so i'm excited yeah i uh, I haven't either I, i read like five pages so far. well aren't you cool <laughs> yeah hey got it downloaded on audiobook nice 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 thanks for listening to the story network next week's episode of the book club will be over the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy by douglas adams